Hello and welcome to Sese Seso. This is a biology revision podcast aimed to help you with your GCSE biology revision. And in this episode, we will be looking at the topic of movement in and out of cells. So by the end of this episode, you should be able to explain what surface area to volume ratio is, describe the process diffusion, osmosis and active transport, and describe the factors that affect the movement of molecules across the membrane. So without further ado, let's get into it. If you remember in episode one, I spoke about unicellular organisms. These are organisms that are only made up of one cell. I also spoke about multicellular organisms. These are organisms that are made up of many cells. I mentioned that multicellular organisms are arranged in specific levels of organization. Organelles are found in cells. Cells together make up tissues. Tissues together make up organs. And organs together make up organ systems. Multicellular organisms contain organ systems. These enable them to obtain nutrients and gases, utilize those same nutrients and gases, and also remove waste products. Unicellular organisms, on the other hand, do not contain organ systems. This means they do not contain, for example, a transport system to carry nutrients around their bodies. But if you think about the size of unicellular organisms, materials like nutrients and gases are able to move around a cell in the absence of an organ system. Materials such as oxygen will enter unicellular organisms through their cell membrane. The area of the cell membrane indicates how much of a material an organism can get the supply rate, whereas the volume of the cell determines how much of a material the organism uses, the demand rate. This is the surface area to volume ratio. The size of an organism, both unicellular and multicellular, can affect this. Single-celled unicellular organisms have a high surface area to volume ratio. This is because the cell membrane surface is large enough to supply the cell with oxygen to meet its volumes demand. The larger an organism, for example humans, the smaller the surface area to volume ratio. Humans are unable to get all the oxygen needed to meet the volume of their bodies just through their surface. In order to overcome this, humans and larger organisms alike have organ systems such as the circulatory and respiratory system. Okay, well it's time for our first pit stop. In this pit stop, for each pair of examples, you have to identify which one has the larger surface area to volume ratio. First pair, humans and elephants. Which one of the two has the larger surface area to volume ratio? Second pair, amoeba cell and a mouse. Which one of the two has the larger surface area to volume ratio? Third pair, A mouse and an elephant. Which one of the two has the largest surface area to volume ratio? Fourth pair, an amoeba cell and a human. Again, which one of the two has the largest surface area to volume ratio? And then the final pair, lactobacillus bacteria cell and a cat. So which one of those two has the largest surface area to volume ratio? Okay, well, you know what time it is. 
pause the podcast, say the answer out loud, say it in your head, write it down, and we'll be back with the answers in three, two, and one. Okay, so for each pair, you had to identify which one had the largest surface area to volume ratio. First pair was humans and elephants. I can reveal that it is humans that have the larger surface area to volume ratio. Second pair, an amoeba cell and a mouse. In this case, it is the amoeba cell that has the larger surface area to volume ratio. Third pair, a mouse and an elephant. In this case, it is the mouse that has the larger surface area to volume ratio. Fourth pair, an amoeba and a human. In this case, it is the amoeba cell that has the larger surface area to volume ratio. And then the final pair was lactobacillus bacteria cell and a cat. And in this case, it is the lactobacillus bacteria cell that has a larger surface area to volume ratio. So if you got any of those correct, well done. Okay, well, we're going to move on into the next section. There are three main ways materials move in and out of cells. These are diffusion, osmosis, and active transport. Diffusion is the net movement of molecules from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration. So the molecules are moving down a concentration gradient. Diffusion is known as a passive process. This is because it does not require external energy in order to work. Also, diffusion does not require a membrane in order to function. So here's an example. Imagine someone farts in a classroom. The area that person has farted has a high concentration of fart molecules. However, on the opposite side of the classroom, there is a low concentration of fart molecules. So naturally, those fart molecules are going to move down a concentration gradient and spread across the classroom. This is how diffusion works. So let's look at a biological example. In gas exchange in the lungs, oxygen diffuses from the alveoli, from an area of high oxygen concentration, into the red blood cells, an area of low oxygen concentration. Carbon dioxide diffuses from the blood plasma, an area of high carbon dioxide concentration, to the alveoli, an area of low carbon dioxide concentration. So this is by diffusion. The second process is osmosis. Osmosis is known as a special type of diffusion as it exclusively describes the movement of water molecules. Osmosis can therefore be defined as the movement of water molecules from an area of high water concentration or high water potential to an area of low water concentration or low water potential through a partially permeable membrane. The higher the concentration or potential of water, the more dilute or pure the solution is, so it contains less solutes. The lower the concentration or potential of water, the more concentrated the solution is, so therefore it contains more solutes. So imagine we place a red blood cell in a beaker of distilled water. There is water inside a red blood cell. This will be a lower concentration of water as it contains solutes. This solution inside a red blood cell can be described as hypertonic. 
The distilled water has a high concentration of water as there are no solutes. This solution can be described as hypotonic. Therefore, water molecules will move from the beaker across a partially permeable membrane, the cell membrane, into the red blood cell by osmosis. If this continues, it could cause the red blood cell to rupture or burst. However, if we did this with a plant cell, there would be a different end result. So imagine the same scenario, this time with a plant cell. The distilled water is still hypotonic and the water inside a plant cell would still be hypertonic. Therefore, water molecules are moving into the plant cell across a partially permeable membrane by osmosis. If this continues, the plant cell would not burst as it contains a cell wall which protects it. So when a plant cell is filled with water, we use the word turgid to describe it. The third process that describes the movement of materials in and out of cells is active transport. Active transport is the odd one out because firstly it is an active process. This means it requires energy from an external source. Secondly, it describes the movement of molecules against a concentration gradient. Active transport is the movement of molecules or ions from an area of low concentration to an area of high concentration using ATP and a carrier protein in the membrane. It is useful for large molecules, allowing them to pass through the membrane. In plants, active transport is useful for the absorption of mineral ions. The mineral ions will be in a lower concentration in the soil and a higher concentration in the root hair cells and will therefore move against a concentration gradient into the root hair cells. Active transport is also useful in humans. Glucose is actively transported back into the blood from the glomerular filtrate in the kidneys. This prevents glucose passing out of the body in urine. Okay, well, it's time for the second pit stop. In this pit stop, you have to identify whether the following descriptions are examples of diffusion, osmosis, or active transport. First description, pouring salt on a slug causes it to dry up as water is lost from the slug's body. Example number two, placing a tea bag in hot water, the water goes from transparent to brown. Example number three, spraying a perfume in a room. Example number four, placing a potato cylinder in a salt solution and after one hour, the cylinder has reduced in size and mass. Example number five, glucose is absorbed into the small intestine. It moves from a low concentration to a high concentration. Okay, well, pause the podcast. Say the answers out loud. Tell them to your mum, tell them to your dad, tell them to your pet. And we will be back with the answers in three, two, and one. So you had um, descriptions and you had to decide whether those descriptions were examples of diffusion, osmosis, or active transport. So the first one was pouring salt on a slug, causing it to dry up as water is lost from the slug's body. This is an example of osmosis. Two, placing a tea bag in hot water, the water goes from transparent to brown. This is an example of diffusion. Try not to get confused just because there was water in it. Um, this is actually diffusion. Three, spraying a perfume in a room. This, again, is an example of diffusion. Number four, 
placing a potato cylinder in a salt solution and after one hour, the cylinder is reduced in size and mass. This is an example of osmosis because water is moving out of the potato. And then example number five, glucose is absorbed into the small intestine. It moves from a low concentration to a high concentration. The second part of that should have given it away. That is active transport. Okay, great job if you got those correct. And now we're going to move on into the final section. There are many factors that affect the movement of substances in and out of cells. These are the surface area to volume ratio. As we heard earlier in this episode, the higher the surface area to volume ratio, the more efficient the movement of substances. Many organisms will display adaptions to increase their surface area for the exchange of materials in relation to the volume that needs to be supplied. So if you think of your alveoli, that increases the surface area for gas exchange. If you think of villi in the small intestine, that increases the surface area for the absorption of nutrients. Second factor, temperature. At higher temperature, molecules have more kinetic energy, so this means their movement is faster. Therefore, the higher the temperature, the rate of net movement by diffusion and osmosis is greater. Third factor, the difference in concentration of molecules. A big difference in the concentration of molecules means a greater concentration gradient. This therefore increases the net movement down the concentration gradient. A little difference in the concentration of molecules means a smaller concentration gradient and therefore a decrease in the net movement of molecules down a concentration gradient. Okay, well, it's time for our final pit stop. As this is the final pit stop, make sure you have a pad or use your pen or something where you can write down the answers for the following questions. So question number one. What structures within the human body provide a large surface area for exchange? What structures within the human body provide a large surface area for exchange? Question number two. Explain what happens when you place a red blood cell in a hypertonic salt solution. Explain what happens when you place a red blood cell in a hypertonic salt solution. And then final question. Number three, explain why spraying perfume in a warm room is smelt faster than spraying perfume in a cold room. Explain why spraying perfume in a warm room is smelt faster than spraying perfume in a cold room. Okay, pause the podcast, give yourself a chance to write down those answers and we will be back with those answers in three, two and one. Okay, so question number one was, what structures within the human body provide a large surface area for exchange? Um, If you said the alveoli, that is correct, or the villi in the small intestine, that is also correct. Okay, question number two, explain what happens if you place a red blood cell in a hypertonic salt solution. So if you said Water inside the red blood cell would be a higher concentration or higher water potential. Therefore, the water molecules are going to move out of the red blood cell through the partially permeable membrane by osmosis 
into the hypertonic salt solution. As a result, the red blood cell is going to shrivel and shrink in size. Okay, and then question number three was, explain why spraying a perfume in a warm room is smelt faster than spraying perfume in a cold room. Well, the higher the temperature, the more kinetic energy those spray particles will have. Therefore, they will move faster and increasing the rate of diffusion. Okay, well, if you got those answers correct, awesome, awesome job and stay seated as we just go into the closing statements. So there you have it, movement in and out of cells in a nutshell. Remember, these episodes are here for you to listen to as many times as you can. Anything that's going to help you with your revision, please, please, please do take advantage of them. So join me again for the next episode where I will be reviewing the topic human nutrition. Because this is a big topic, I am splitting it into two. So next week will be part one. Why? Because Sese says so.